This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. When it comes to insider threats, no financial institution or organization, for that matter, is immune. Insider threats are increasingly becoming a top concern. How is the financial industry responding to these threats? And what lessons can be learned from recent breaches? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Joe McKendrick, an analyst with Unisphere Research, and Tom Van Horn, Vice President of Global Marketing for Application Security Incorporated, a provider of database security, risk, and compliance solutions. Joe and Tom, we've invited you here today to talk about a recent survey, Application Security and Unisphere Research, conducted of Sybase users. The study focused on insider threats. Could you give us an overview of some of the survey's highlights? What stood out? Actually, we've uh, partnered with, uh, this is Joe from Unisphere Research, we've partnered with AppSec on uh, a couple different uh, surveys now, part of a series um, looking at uh, different user groups. Um, in this case, we looked at the Sybase user group, and we've also worked with the Oracle user group and the uh, SQL Server user group, essentially asking them the same questions about their database security. And we found uh, across all three major technology platforms, there's a consistency uh, in the responses. You know, in each case, there's difficulties, I should say, with corporate culture. Uh, there's a management disconnect in terms of addressing security, especially from an insider perspective. There's a great awareness that uh, internal threats, internal hacks, in- insider uh, privilege user access all constitute a greater threat to data security than outside hackers, uh, but there isn't a lot being done yet in terms of securing data internally against uh, abuse. Yeah, I think uh, when I look at the, the survey results from this study as well as the previous studies, one thing stands out, and that's that um, I think there's a false sense of security out there. The people that were surveyed by the vast majority acknowledge themselves as being responsible for data security in their organizations. The vast majority also tell us that they believe their confidential data is adequately protected, and more than half of them believe it's, it's unlikely that they'll face a data breach um, over the next 12 months. In fact, only 2% think the likelihood is, is inevitable. But then when you drill down into the more specific questions, um, asking about exactly what they're doing and how they're managing data security, get an alarming number of responses that say, I don't know. Um, so when I put those th- those two things together, I think there may be some rose-colored glasses on here and that, hey, we think we're okay, uh, but I can't tell you why I think we're okay. Um, but if we look at what's been happening in the last several months, you'll see breaches accelerating and accelerating. I mean, in the last 60 days, We've almost come into a data breach Armageddon state. Uh, you can't go more than 24 hours without picking up the newspaper and reading about a major breach. Now, the study pulled 216 members of the International Sybase Users Group. Why are perspectives from this group relevant? Why are they a relevant representation of the trends that we're seeing in the industry? And, Joe, I'd like for you to answer that question. Sure, Tracy. Uh, well, very simply, uh, in terms of the industry demographics in the survey, 24% of our group were from the financial services uh, industry, which is a very, actually a very high percentage uh, uh, in comparison with other surveys we've done. So one out of four are affiliated with uh, financial services firms. And Tom, could you give us a little background on the survey itself, such as when the survey was conducted? 
And do you think that the results from this survey might differ if you were to conduct the survey today? Um, this is a recent survey. It was just conducted over the last quarter. Um, it was actually published in the beginning of May, uh, about a month ago. I think a lot of the results would be would be the same. You know, we've been conducting these surveys with various uh, user groups over the past year on a quarterly basis, and there's been a consistency in what we found. The one thing that may change, given the nature of the most recent breaches, is the belief that most of the threats are from insiders. Uh, historically, if you go back the last several years, you'll see that 75% or so of the breaches were coming from uh, users within the organization. Uh, but if you look at the, the headline breaking news over the past two or three months, you'll see more and more attacks are coming from the outside. Um, specifically, people are getting through perimeter security and going straight to the database. The database is a place where your most sensitive information is stored. So I think if we were going to conduct this survey after some of the, those recent experiences, it, it would affect users' perceptions of, of what the threats are, uh, just, just based on what we've seen more recently. And it's interesting that you should say that, Tom, because the next question that I have actually relates to some of the recent breaches that we've seen in the industry. And of course, a lot of these breaches were perpetrated by outside attacks, but they were actually linked to some insider breaches. And I'd like for both of you to respond to this question, and I'm going to pose it in light of some of the recent insider breaches that we've seen from the Bank of America breach to the RSA hack. How are insider threats evolving and what trends are you seeing when it comes to maybe this connection between an insider leak or an insider compromise that leads to an attack that's perpetrated from the outside? You know, a lot of this comes down to how you define insiders. Um, You know, in today's world, the insider isn't necessarily just the company's own employees. But we've opened up our networks to, you know, to partners, uh, to vendors, um, and, and in some cases to customers. Uh, it's just basic common sense that if you're going to attack something, you're going to try to find the, uh, the weakest link. Um, in a lot of those cases, when you get out to the partners, the customers, the vendors, uh, the policies that they have in place for data security is less stringent than the major commercial organizations may have. So those are going to be the first things that are that are, that are attacked to wait into the system. Um, I think organizations need to have strict policies in place that ensure that their database security standards are perpetuated across all quote, insiders um, and all users of their systems. So that's one. Um, I think the second thing is uh, just you know ongoing education. We're seeing more and more types of attacks. Um, if you're aware of it, you can even as an individual um, you know what to look out for. You can better defend yourself. Um, so that has to be an ongoing and continuous uh, procedure within organizations. I think the, the economy plays into these factors as well. Um, you're likely to see uh, more uh, threats emerging when the economy goes sour. There's more, for lack of a better way to put it, there's more desperation out there, and uh, people are likely to do things they might not uh, otherwise uh, consider. That aside, I think uh, a big issue that I've seen with um, a lot of the major data breaches, and especially uh, what we might define as internal breaches, and I'll extend that to partners, uh, partners and customers and so forth, it's just plain uh, floppiness with the way data is managed and handled. And, and Tom pointed out that we need more education in that area. But if you go to a, a site called privacyrights.org, it gives you a listing of all reported major data breaches all the way back to uh, the early 2000s. It's usually about a 
uh, 10, 15 new breaches reported each week. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the ones you'll see are an employee accidentally posting social security numbers to a website, a partner, a, a business partner who, who for some reason has a, a list, a customer list on a, on a hard drive, on a notebook, and he leaves the notebook computer in his car and the car gets stolen. Uh, um, there's a case I just saw from last month where an employee, a county of, a employee of a county in Virginia went on vacation to Las Vegas and had his laptop with him uh, with the social security numbers of uh, residents of the county. And, uh, of course, the laptop got stolen. And uh, um, a lot of it you can, you can attribute to uh, floppiness, lack of management, uh, lack of education uh, in terms of how to handle, how to properly handle data. A big issue in organizations is segregation of duties, or basically user entitlements to data. It can be very difficult to track who has access to what information without within an organization because roles continually change and, are, and, and privileges are assigned. And, and over a period of time, it becomes very complex. What organizations really need to do is they need to focus on segregation. In fact, it's a major component of almost every compliance regulation. So the bottom line is to employ what we call a, a principle of least privilege so that you ensure that employees only have access to the minimum amount of information necessary to perform their daily duties. So do you think, Tom, that better employee education or more stringent employee access to sensitive data is the answer? I think it's a combination of both. I don't think you can do just one. And I'd like to go back to the, the survey here for a moment, and this touches on some of what we've been talking about. And Joe, I'd like to pose this question for you. The survey notes that one of the greatest challenges or risks to database security is thought to come from insiders, either through human error or abused privileges, as we've been talking about here. What does that tell you about fraud mitigation and the need for more internal fraud prevention tracking, as Tom has just discussed? And does the survey show that institutions and other organizations are perhaps investing too much in detection for outside threats while neglecting to adequately monitor what's happening in their own backyards? Well, Tracy, it, it goes back to something Tom was saying a little bit earlier. Uh, we had a lot of folks saying uh, that they did not know the answer to a lot of the questions we were, we were putting to them in our survey. And what's distressing is the fact that these are data managers, database administrators. If anybody knows or should be aware of what needs to be done to protect data within the organization, these are the folks. These are the folks in the front lines. These are the po folks that have the technical knowledge and the expertise to secure databases. And a lot of cases, half of them said they simply did not know if, if they're getting uh, the right amount of budget or they did not know if they're uh, conducting the right procedures or uh, policies to uh, guard their data. That suggests a, a disconnect, a, a major disconnect between corporate culture, the way management is approaching the issue, and, uh, and the way they're communicating uh, the need to um, protect data across the organization. Uh, essentially, what it's telling us is, is management is not doing a, a good job of that. In terms of fraud mitigation, fraud prevention, tracking, we ask about auditing. Uh, there's monitoring and there's auditing of uh, databases for security. And uh, a lot of our respondents will conduct audits of their data logs to see uh, what, what kind of access has taken place and what's been done with databases. The issue with this is a lot of, a lot of times it's, it's, it's closing the barn after the horses were stolen. In many cases, I should say, uh, these audits maybe take place once every quarter or so. And uh, if you had a data compromise or stolen in January, you may not find out about it until March. 
just as importantly, you need to bake in technologies and uh, approaches to protect the data from ever being uh, compromised. Uh, encryption, for example, uh, masking of data, de-identification of data, sensitive data. Um, there is very little of that uh, taking place on the, in the sites we looked at. About 20% overall said they uh, will mask or uh, encrypt data that moves between different parts of the organization. And that's where the threats occur. You know, a database administrator may do, be doing a great job at his or her site of, of watching the data, protecting the data. But once that data is sent out to the development side of the house or if it's sent out to a backup site, it, it, it loses that protection. Right, and that's a good point. So it's not just ensuring that the data is protected in-house. It's also ensuring that that data is protected as it's being transferred from one location to another, as well as maybe when that data is sent to a third party. Exactly, and that could be in-house. You know, we could be... You know, again, we could talk, we talk about moving the data out of production, out of the production database over to a test site or to uh, the development side of the house. I'd like to go back to a point that, that you've raised here, Joe, and that relates to some of the support that fraud departments get from their boards of directors and CEOs. And I'd like for you to answer this first and then we'll move to Tom. But what advice could each of you offer fraud departments that are trying to convince their boards of directors or CEOs that investments and improvements to track employee threats are needed, and that could be convincing them that they need to invest in some of these more automated solutions. I guess the best way to, to speak to that would be in terms of the money, um, the, the amount of money, uh, the losses uh, your company will incur as a result of a, a data breach, uh, whether it be inside or outside. Um, and the, the amount of money invested up front would be far less than the amount of money to be lost in the back end. Uh, we we didn't explore it in depth in this survey, but there are some good statistics out there which talk about the uh, loss that can be occurred as, as, as a result of uh, data being compromised. I think Poneman Institute um, has published some uh, good numbers on this as well. It could go as high as uh, $2 million per uh, incident. And for financial services firms, I'm sure it's at the high end, you know, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars, but that's a fraction of what the potential loss may be uh, when something does happen. And the sad thing, Tracy, about it is we, we actually, uh, you know, we, we solicited a response, uh, write-in opinions from our respondents. And one person simply said their management considers it cheaper just to not invest in security and uh, to, pay, to pay out when something happens. Yeah, I totally agree with Joe. I mean, he, he hit the nail on the head. It all comes down to dollars and cents. Tom, I'd like to, to pose this question to you. When it comes to socially engineered schemes, such as those that are perpetrated via phishing or vishing attacks, what can organizations realistically expect employees to do when it comes to catching those types of attacks? They are getting more sophisticated. Um, but at the end of the day, these phishing attacks are still people that are asking you for information. I've always thought that, that this comes down to common sense. It comes down to education. Um, but the bottom line is, if, if someone's asking you for information, um, be very careful what you're providing. Don't provide uh, private information, passwords, and stuff. What would you like to leave our audience with? Uh, in the past 10, 20 years, um, everything we do, every every type of business activity we we do is has been digitized. You know, there's data coming in from the enterprises, there's data coming in from the outside, from social networks, uh, sensors, uh, you name it. And Security is something you actually have to keep in perspective. You know, it, is, it isn't necessary to lock down and secure every piece of data that exists across your enterprise. Uh, but there are key pieces of data that, that do need uh, additional measures and additional security. Um, anything involving customer information, uh, confidential private customer information, 
uh, social security numbers uh, and credit cards, for example, need uh, that kind of, that sort of attention. The other thing I would leave people with is, you know, this isn't a one-time effort. Um, sure, you may get audited once a year and you may fix things after that, but you have, to, you have to have continuous security and continuous compliance, and it has to be an ongoing process. And then the final point is the data is your most valuable asset. It makes sense to really watch that data closely to monitor and protect it where it lives. We're seeing time and time again that hackers are able to get on the networks and get into systems. The most pragmatic approach is to protect that data where it lives in the database itself. I'd like to thank both of you again for your time today. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure being here. Again, we've just heard from Joe McKendrick of Unisphere Research and Tom Van Horn of Application Security Incorporated. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.bankinfosecurity.com.